Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Co-laborer with him, he says, first thing first. So what's first? Because we have a lot of things to do every week. We have a lot of jobs to fulfill. We have a lot of tasks. We have a lot of assignments. We have a lot of stuff that we got to do because we are entrusted with it. Plus our family is another thing. But he still says first things first. What is first? Nice. Matthew 6.33. First seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else will be added unto you. If we stay with that like we were talking today about perspective. But that should be our focus. And, and focus is, matters a lot. They did a study, like, I don't know, a couple of days, a couple of years ago. And Harvard Business School decided, that, like, what's the most important things in an organization? What matters a lot? And they said, okay, it's three things. It's, fi- it's focus, it's fire, and it's faith. Those three things matter the most. And they say, out of these three things, focus, fire, and, f- and, and faith, what's the most important? And they discovered that focus, and they paid millions when Jesus is teaching us, not only for fee, he paid the price to teach us, but the, the value of the word of God is powerful. So the, the, the focus is the most important. Because the focus brings what? The fire. And when you have a fire in you, because you focus on the right thing, faith comes upon. It's unbelievable. Many times we wait and we hope that faith will somehow hit us. Well, let's stay focused on the right thing. Stay focused on the word. Focus on his promises. Focus on prayer. Focus on him. And then you'll be amazing how much fire will start burning around us. And then we'll have the faith to rise and do what he asks us to do. So focus matters a lot. And of course, um, we all want to be fruitful. We all want to bear much fruit, I hope. I mean, it's, um, is it nice to bear much fruit? No, it's not nice. It's the only condition. It's the only thing that, what? We have to know this because that's, those are, this is very important. Let's say we bring little fruit or no fruit. Does that matter? How? The Father is not going to be glorified. When is the Father glorified? When we bear much fruit. And I love that you choose the word much because the word much is the key in this Bible verse. It's not fruit. It's much fruit. So when we bear much fruit, this is how the Father, and it says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This, the only, the rest is theory. Christianity is not philosophy. Christianity is not a nice class on, on meditation, on how we feel better, how to have peace, come to church to have the joy those are those are world philosophy that somehow snicked into the church that it's all about us and it's all about how we feel and it's all about how we go no 
Those are the result. Those are bonuses, if you ask me. Those are, those are like the, it's normal when you are in the presence to get the Holy Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and, you know, patience and long-suffering and all this. But those are the fruits of something. What really matters is what we do after we leave the church. They did another study. This was also done recently. Actually, it was, not, it, was, it was done in the end of the 20th century, also by Harvard Business. And I love that. Because I love neuroscience, and I love business studies. The ones that are, they pay the most for only to prove the word of God. So I love that. They spend millions, and we go, it's written here. What are you kidding about? And many times I'm frustrated because they write this article on HBR or another, you know, incredible magazines. And you think, oh, this is great, but we already have it. So they did this study. And they asked the question, what is the number one problem of any organization in this world? If there is one common problem, when I say organization, it means church. It means business. It means all kind of ministry. Profit, non-profit, they study everything and they say, we need to find one problem that is common in the 20th century in any organization. And they discovered it. What do you think it is? Disunity. We are like a family today, you know. I love the, the so you can speak up, you can interrupt me. If you if you come if you become too aggressive, don't worry. I work with Teen Challenge. I'm gonna kick you out. It's fine. <laughs> Actually, in our church, we have about again 400 people. Very seldom you don't have a somebody weird that stands up and starts screaming at me and does all kind of stuff and or or just threatens and so it's. It's like, okay, you finish, yeah. Guys, just take, take them out and we'll just continue. Then we pray and we'll just keep going. <laughs> we love them. I mean, we love them. Every time you come into the presence of the Lord and you don't have it all together, it's going to be some stuff that's going to shake on you. You know, that's normal. So we shouldn't be scared about it. We'll be like, that's normal. Shake him to another room. Let us continue. Yeah. So... Go back to this. What do you think this is the problem of all the come? One problem that they discovered was the 20th century program, uh, problem. Greed. So disunity. What else? Division. Selfishness. No. All these are true. There's major problem, especially when it comes to division. And we'll talk about it today. It has never been, the 20th century has been one of the, especially the second half, has been one of the centers that had the most money, the most strategies, the most people, the most knowledge. But they lacked one thing. It's called execution. It's called doing what you know is supposed to do in family in church in profit in non-profit they discover that the number one problem of people is not that they don't know what to do is not they don't have the resources 
of doing it. It's not, they just don't do it. So many times, you know, hearing this and you go, and then what happens is, see, we're in 2020. Already 20 years has passed. What they did now, because now there is more money for studies, they, they just did the last almost 20 years. I think a couple of years ago, they also did the last 20 years. What's, what's the number one problem that, you know, did it change in 20, 21st, 21st century? Because now we have the social media, we have even more, there's more information. Well, they came up with the same answer. Execution is still number one problem. So it's amazing. I mean, in a way, it's not surprised because many are hearers of the word. We have to do it. And that's why Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is, you know, you're carrying a cross. We go, and every time there is somebody who falls down, you go by. You don't cross on the other side. You don't say, I'm busy. I need to get to that place. I need to, you know, and think about it. The example in the Bible, you know, that guy is, is bleeding out to death. And there is a pastor that passes by there. And in his mind, I'm thinking, going, looks at that guy and goes, this is a great illustration for my sermon. This is good. See, this is what sin, this is where sin is taking you. I'm going I'm to talk about this. So he writes the, and then passes. And then the next guy, he's the worship leader. I'm sure he, there was a nice song that came out of that story. He went on the other side too. But he's like, I like this. Suffering in this world. Lord. You know, just making the songs and that's not Christianity. Jesus said, the only thing that brings me glory is when you stop. When you stop and do something about it. I never underestimate the little that God gives us because that's a test God never starts with big God always starts because it's God is a very and this is a principle we have all have to understand God is looking at every detail God doesn't waste anything he's an extravagant God incredible because when you don't waste anything and when you are extravagant those are two extremes you think oh it's extravagant means i'm going to bless you beyond your prayer request beyond your imagination i'm going to say like that's our father in the same time he gives you one little thing then he watches what you're going to do with it little influence little i remember this story and it's it's a true story it's an amazing story of a pastor he was busy he was pastoring big church here in the states and the Lord spoke to me. He said he needed to go to China years ago. And he, he decided he's going to go to China. He flew to China because the Lord spoke to him. Now, his church was very large. So he's very busy. He goes to China and he, they put him in this 20-people church. And of course, I mean, for the flesh, for a pastor of a big church, that's, am I wasting my time here? Am I like, Lord, why do you, why do you allow it? Was that, did I hear from you? Well, it was a test. The Lord gave him now little. So it was, he said he struggled so much with it. The whole trip. To the point that he wanted to change the ticket. He wanted to, you know, find a way to get back to, to his church. And then in the last Sunday there, he said, I, I said, Lord, help me focus. Help me just be here. 
And because he asked, he received. So he just had a powerful message from the Holy Spirit. And right at the end of the, the, the service, it was a couple of, actually, actually it wasn't. Because it was his translator, the Chinese guy. So there were a couple of them in, on the stage. And he, uh, he said, okay, whoever wants to come give their life to Christ, do it now. So nobody showed, nobody again. He preached heaven. He himself got saved after that message. I mean, he said, I preach so well. And I felt the presence. And then I said, whoever wants to give and rededicate. And then nobody came and said, now rededicate your life to Christ. Nobody came in. And he's like, he, he asked the translator, did you really tell what I, just, you know, can you threaten them to come? You know, he's like, but nobody came in. And then he just like, he heard, just say it one more time. So he said, if there is anybody that wants to give their life to Christ. So there was this guy, came in one person, his entire mission trip, one person. Hundreds were giving their life to Christ in his home church. So he's thinking, Lord, I'm wasting all this time. I go all the way on the other side. I'm tired, jet lag, money wasted. One person in two weeks. No, it was a test. Because God doesn't look at that. That's the kind of stuff we got influenced by the world. God looks at our faithfulness. God didn't call us to be successful. God called us to be faithful. Faithful to what he entrusted us when? Today. Today is the only day we have, by the way. Today is the, is the key word when Jesus says, when you pray, pray for your bread today. When you pray for a mess, pray for today. When you pray to encourage others, pray for today. Tomorrow, pray again. Don't count on yesterday's prayer. And don't pray for, you know, what's the Lord show me in the next days. Because the Lord has a way of keeping it fresh every day if we are stay connected with him. So, of course, we have to stay connected. That's the secret, actually, of bearing much fruit is stay connected with the vine. The guy comes in. This pastor prays for him. He goes... He returns home. He sits in the airplane thinking, was it worth one person? It is said that that person became a pastor. And now he pastors the largest underground church in China. You know what that means? What do you think? How many, how many people came through Christ, to, to Christ through him? Maybe like a thousand people? No. Maybe like 10,000? No. Maybe 100,000? No. Millions. Millions. Do you think the American pastor, if you would have to move to China, would be, have been able to do it? No, God is his people. What he, or God orchestrates things. But that's what we have to just focus on. Being faithful. Don't look at the crowds. Look at what we have in our hand. And just do the best with what we have. We all want to be fruitful. We all want to be successful. We all, we all want that our leadership or our family or whatever we have, business or we work for somebody or we work in the church, we want it to be long and bear much fruit. And we certainly don't want to mess up. I mean, we learn throughout the years that decisions destroying the leaders. What destroys leaders are decisions. So what you want to do is, also I want to do is make sure we stay faithful in little things. The big things are hard to handle. 
But the little things said, take care of that. Be, be, care, be faithful in little things. And somehow the big things tend to take care of themselves. It's unbelievable. Because little things, we can be faithful. The big things, we kind of wrap our head around it. We don't know exactly. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about that. Just be faithful in little things. So with that in mind, staying focused, want to be faithful in little things, want to bear much fruit. We want tonight to look at one of my favorite mentors. And it's David. And this guy had four secrets, I would say, looking at his life. He had four secrets that turned him into one of the most powerful leaders ever. He, yes, he messed up. Yes, he did mistakes. But he became one of the most powerful, long-lasting leaders in the Bible. The, the only person that God looks at him and he says, this is a man after my own heart, says God. That's a very nice compliment. That's like the best compliment you can receive in this life. You are a man after my own heart. I mean, that's it. That's it. Lord, take me. Now you can take me. Because that's like, there's nothing else I want to hear anymore. So four secrets that turned this shepherd boy, because he was a shepherd. Four little secrets that turned this shepherd boy into the greatest leader that ever existed. And first... I like when the Bible talks about David in a few occasions. It starts with this. David knew. And then, bum, bum, bum. So the first thing is David knew the source of his success. Now, I want to, we want to look at the passage from the Word of God. And this passage is unbelievable because this, and I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. And it's in 2 Samuel, if you have the Bible with you. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. And uh, I think I have here, I don't know, oh, it's the Amplified Bible. Because I like that translation when it came to that verse. And it says this. I like the context of our principle today. It says, David became greater and greater. This is what the Bible says. He becomes very, very successful. He becomes very, very fruitful. He becomes very, very important. He becomes very, very visible. He becomes very, very appreciated. He becomes so, becomes a star. That's the Bible says. And it says, um, uh, for the Lord, the God of hosts was with him. Now, this is a Bible comment. The Bible tells what was behind him. But let's see what David believed. Because that's true for everybody. But look at David. Now Hiram or Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar trees, carpenters, stone masons, masons or whatever. And they built a house, a palace for David. You know what that means? All his enemies... Beside the fact that everybody's like, David, David, we love you. T-shirts with David. Balloons with David. You know, Facebook pages with David. Everything. I mean, Instagram is all over. David, David, David. And now his enemies. Because these guys, Hiram, the king of Tyre, and also other kings, were surrounded countries that were always attacking Israel. 
These are strong armies. These are people that always targeted the people of God. Now they came to him and go, we want to give that. In those times, history says that once you offer a gift to another king, once you bring him things for the, their palace, camels of, of, of spices and gold and nice carpets and things that at that time they were like the best gifts to receive, that was a declaration of submission. That was a declaration. That was the time when the, his enemies say, we don't want to mess with you. As long as you are alive, we want to be your friends. And if somebody messes with you, we are behind you. And as a sign that we are serious about this, here is all these gifts. That's, that was it. That was the contract. That was the, the way of signing a, a peace treat, treaty. So in the light of this, the Bible says he's so successful. Everybody around him believes he's successful. Look what the word of God says about David. And David knew, David knew, that means in his heart, not mentally, he knew so deep down in his spirit that the Lord had established him as a king over Israel. David knew the source of his success. David knew that if he stands today, it's because of God kept him standing. David knew that if he made some money and if he had a good family and if he, it was God's doing. To know that, that may, that, may seem the, that may seem like a principle, like of course it's God. No, most people don't fall when they are in trouble. Know that. Most people, even if, if you're a drug addict or you've never touched a drop of alcohol and drug, most people fall when they're successful. They need a study. When things are going well, when your family is well established, when your business is well established, that's when you became a little important. There's this, the, the walk changes. You know, you become so, and then, and then you say, God you're, God, you're so lucky to have me. You and I, actually, I and you will change the world. No. David, in, in, in the midst of this, in the midst of this success, he realizes that God provided for everything. That God exalted him. That God, of course, that's the greatest ant, antidote or antidote. How do you call that? Antidote for pride. Pride being the primary sin. Primary sin. Because when you know the source of your success, although people, you know, Christians, when you say, hey, well, you sang so nice. You sang so good. And, and, and some... Some people, oh, yeah, so Lord, the Lord did. But in their heart, they go, mm, they got it. They got it. Now, finally, and they go, no, the Lord. The Lord, no, thank you. Don't, don't, don't say stuff like that. You know the Lord did it. But in their hearts, they're flying. It has to be the other way around. It has to be like, thank you. That's a very nice compliment. Thank you. This was great. But in their heart, they know it was God. God gave them the voice. God gave them the, the, the stage. God gave them money for the instrument. God gave them healthy. God gave them everything. They know the source of who they are is God. If we know that from the bottom of our hearts, we are unstoppable. We are unstoppable. It doesn't matter where God puts us. Because first, God was going to put us in small places. 
Where did this great king start it? Where was he? Where was his school? Where is, I tell you what was his school. I think it's international. You don't have to speak Romanian to understand me. That's where David, imagine David, because he was a great worship leader, going like this to the, to the singing to the, to the sheep. And the sheep just eating like, meh, stop it. But they, no applaud. No, no, no CDs. No people going, I want, I want. It was just sheep. He was singing unto the Lord in the wilderness there. Because he knew the Lord gave him that gift. And the Lord didn't say, you will multiply the talent if you're in the right place. He says, you multiply the talent, period. Where are you? Whatever you are. Whenever you are, you know, you multiply the talent. If you are in the children ministry now, you multiply there. So David knew. He knew so deep down in his heart. And he gives God the credit for his success. And it wasn't lip talk. If the Bible mentioned it so clear and he knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. That's powerful. May the Lord help all of us. That because again, few are the laborers. What does that mean? And, and few are the laborers and, and what else it says? The fields are many. The harvest is huge. Few are the laborers. So yes, the Lord is looking for, for, for laborers. And of course, the more you collaborate with him, the more fruit you'll bear. But when you bear fruit, you'll have to remember. It was him that helped you and helped me. He's the source of everything. Because every decision we take, every guy. What is the, the highest form of wisdom? Because we all want wisdom. I mean, when you're a leader, that's one of the, question, that's one of the prayer requests. In family, when you raise kids, when, when you raise grandkids, you always, you always start like, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom when to give, when not to give. When to push, when to leave. When always, it's, a, it's always a dance. It's, all, it's, not, it's never a formula. It's all, and, and this dance is like so different that some weeks you just go like this. And some weeks you just... So you don't... That's, you cannot learn that. That's an everyday thing. If you want to walk in step with God. So what's the highest form of wisdom? Being led by the Holy Spirit is the highest form of wisdom. You can pray wisdom so much. But once you say, Lord, guide me with the Holy Spirit today. Guide me when I speak on the phone. Guide me in the next meetings. Guide me for, you know, when I go and, you know, to the cousin and so and so. But for that, we have to stop. Right before we get to his house, her house. Right before we turn on the phone, we have to stop and say, Lord, speak through me. Guide me. I want to I wanna speak life into her or him. And I thank you, you will guide me. And because you have asked you receive. You know, it's, it's a simple principle. But if we really evaluate our stops, 
and evaluate how many prayers we did like that in the last month, we'll be like, ooh, I haven't really prayed like that. And we should pray like that 20 times a day at least. Because once we're talking with somebody, the other person has different needs. And although he has been successful and a great talk and full of life, this person needs a different meal. And a different, you know, so what do you do? You cannot apply. Um, I started like that here. I'm going to start like that there. Whatever made you successful or fruitful there is going to burn you here. So it's not about learning formulas. Not about mental faith. It's always about stepping in faith. Being in in tune with the Holy Spirit. So every time, because you don't know, the, uh, the moment you think you know, that's when it's over. That's when you just went back many steps. But the moment you say, Lord, I have no idea what needs this person has. I have no idea exactly how to do it here. Although I have some ideas, especially if you are a seasoned person, you've already have experience. But new wine, new anointing for the new situation. And God is so creative. It's unbelievable. We're trying to imitate and that's like pathetic. God is so creative. It's amazing. Now, now we, when Oltiza, she's taking care of our worship team, she makes them come up with new songs all the time. We meet for three days in the mountains, Ritit, and, uh, and she, she tells them, hey, uh, when we get out of this, we're going to have three songs for the church. Then we're going to be singing them for the next month. So, like, the worship is like, what do you mean? Like, how do we come and say, no, just ask God. So we split in three groups of three or four, and, and they all have to come with a song, and they all sing the song, and with, you know, writing words, and they're like, you know, sweating, and, and stuff like that. We say, no, you only become good at what you practice. You want to be prophetic? Practice prophetic. Don't think, oh, but, but uh, no, you just like, you're on your knees you, you know you don't know, but you're asking the one that is creative to give it to you. And then, and then you step by faith, and you start doing it. And then you just like songs. Oh, now we have most of our church songs are from there. And it's, they are powerful. They have the voice of the church. They have the sound of the church. They have the sound of the town. Because each town has a sound. And that's why we have the Lord, give me your sound. Give me your messages for your people here in this area. Give me the sound of the job. But for that, we have to connect. Connect. I go to the second thing that David knew. So if David knew what? First one. David knew the source of his success. Can we all say it? David knew the source of his success. Second one, David understands or knows the purpose for his success. That's the second thing. Now, you know the source. And then you say, oh, thank you, Lord, for, for, for blessing me. Thank you for making me successful. But the question, and it's one of the most important questions, is why would God make you fruitful? Why would God make you successful? Why would God make you give you favor with people favor in in finances why would he do this so you can just live larger that's a benefit i'm sure david didn't drive an old honda 
I'm sure David had a very nice car, to be honest with you. And, and the Bible says he did have a nice car. Palace more. He didn't mention about car. But I'm sure he, the, his horses were nicer than the latest Mustang GT Ford that just got in today. Because, you know, it was, it was not his focus. His focus was God. Everything, but he understands the purpose for his success. How do we know? The same Bible verse. And he said, David knew that the Lord has established him as king over Israel. And that, had, that he had exalted his kingdom for his people's Israel's sake. This is what the Bible says. He knew the source and he knew why. For the sake of his people. He understands the purpose. You know, the moment that we become successful or in whatever area of life, we tend to become entitled. That's the most dangerous mentality. I think entitlement kills more potential than anything else on this planet. Because you, once you get a little success, it means you're, you have a good mind, you have good gifts, you have good opportunities. Because no poor becomes entitled. They become having a poor, they, they can have a poor mentality, but they don't become entitled, you know, in, in some point. But the people who really become successful, they become entitled. They should give me more. People owe me. Church owe me. You know, the board owes me. This owes me. No, the purpose is for others. Their accomplishment. You know, the leaders, some of the leaders, their accomplishments become the very thing that destroys them. When you understand the purpose, you become, it's, and it should be our mission statement. What is the purpose of a leader? If somebody is asking you in the airplane, you're sitting next to somebody that hears that, he sees you, that you read the Bible. And they pop up this question. And they go, so what do you say? I'm, I'm going and teaching a, a leadership or I'm, I'm going to learn from a leadership class. And, and they will ask you this question. What do, what do you think is the purpose of leadership? What would you say? Spread the gospel. Let's say you're working in a bank and... Everyone else, uh, and especially the boss, and especially nowadays, they say, this is not a place where you preach. And if you preach, you're going to be fired. Uh, does that mean we cannot be leaders there and, and lead and really, you know, so I still have to do something. And out of that, because, see, leaders, they win hearts. They, they win respect. They, and that means influence. And when you become an influence, people are listening to you. Wow. And, and they, their hearts, like pastor was saying, soil matters. Hey, don't believe me? Just don't, don't work your soil before you start planting this spring. Just plant the nice, the most expensive seeds, the most incredible seeds. Just plant them, whatever. It won't grow. Some sporadically here and there, but it needs. So that is leadership. Leadership is about making others thrive. You make your spouse. See, when you, when you are in the home, because we were talking this morning, some are leaders at home. And we all leaders at school. And 
You make other people thrive. You make them flourish. That's leadership. The purpose of leadership, like you see it here in the Bible verse, is make others flourish. And in, in so many ways, with your words, with, with a kind gesture. And it's so important to understand it's not about us. Leadership is never about the person. Leadership is about the people. If it's spiritual leadership, if it's God's leadership, it's always about the people. I remember we were talking, I was in the park. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was with one of my friends. It was 1996. And uh, my friend asked me, he said, um, I think he was reading a book. And then he said to me, you know, what, what, what can you do best? So at that time, I was, I was like 23-year-old. And I was wondering, what do I do best? I have no idea. And he said, hey, show, tell me something, like a competence, something that when you do, people go, wow, this is great. You receive great feedback. So I'm like, I have no idea. But it really troubled me. So I went home, and I thought of it. And actually, in our conversation later, he said, think of something that you did well. Because, because I told him, I said, I have no idea. And he said, think of something that you did before you became a Christian. So I said, oh, so one thing comes to my mind, but it's a bad thing. And he said, tell me. He said, listen, if nobody would have in his life never got drunk, I would make my mission statement to get that person drunk. I had that gift of making people do stupid things. So he looks at me and he said, that's leadership. I'm like, really? Like, what do you mean? He said, leadership is influence. So he said, if somebody never stole something from a store, I would go to him and say, are you kidding? You never had that feeling of going to a store and steal something? I said, no, man, it's trouble. I said, you, man, there's something inside of you. You go there and your heart is beating hard. i like, 10 minutes there, he was in the store. <laughs> Getting out of there and there, going behind and go, I got it. But see, man, you just, now you're courageous. God forbidden. I mean, it's <laughs> terrible. And, and a lot of other stupid stuff that I was sharing with my friend. So he said, that's leadership. And I say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a, I'll apply for a job interview and say, uh, well, so, sir, what are you here for? Well, sir, I can influence people. I want the best job here in the company. I'll be like, thank you. We'll call you. <laughs> no, it's like it comes with something concrete. He said, no, Con leadership, it's influence. So it's, it's, he mentioned, he said to me, because you have that gift. And I said, well, okay, whatever. Start reading and start growing in leadership. So I start reading and I start growing and it took, I mean, again, I, I, out of curiosity. And the more I learned, the, like, it just became clear to me there was God's plan long before. And the way he wired me and everything. But then I came to the realization we all call to influence. When the Lord says, you are the salt. He doesn't say, some of you are the salt, some of you are the little. No, you are the salt in a saltless world. You are the light in the dark world. That's influence. That's shining. That's making a difference. That alters everything, wherever we go. That's leadership. But the purpose of leadership is making other people thrive. So I decided that I will make that my mission statement. 
So I wrote down, I said, it doesn't matter. My mission statement is this, that every person that I get in contact with, they will thrive. They will flourish. I'll have my kids flourish. I'll have my family flourish. I'll have every person in my life flourish. It became my, my mission statement in life. I remember we had a kid in our home. Have you heard of the band for King and Country? Well, one of the brothers was, was in our home when he was like 18. I think Daniel was 18. So I, at that time, we didn't know anything at what they would become and, you know, invested in that kid many, many years. That, you know, I've, and again, when you make other people pray, be prophetic. We don't have much to give. But once somebody brings somebody in our life, we say, Lord, what do you have for him? And then you're asking the Lord his plans and his thoughts for that person. And he's just the messenger. He said, oh, the father just told me this about you. I can't, but this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, he told me this too. And the person, because, you know, sometimes it's hard to hear ourselves. That's why we are in the body of Christ. That's why we need one another. So the person goes, you know, I, I speak. And this is, this, again, this is a Baptist guy. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about Baptist, but baptism. Doesn't say anything about Pentecostal, but Pentecost. Doesn't say anything. So it's all about the word and doing it. So I just poured into his life. He became, even to today, he's one of the most important donors in our ministry. That kid turned into a business. Now he, he does all the lightning because he's, he's part of the, 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 the Luke and Joel that they sing. Daniel is the one that's taking, he's taking care of the lights and the, a lot of other things for the band and for this whole family. So he never, he's keep pouring into our ministry since. Just keep investing in people. I remember uh, I, I was, one day I was in a, in a warehouse and it was a, a person that was working there and he was introvert was working nobody wanted to talk to him much and the rest were making fun and so my heart went out to that person because I'm a, I'm I'm a I don't have a shy problem so I could talk to anybody but I saw that person I know I know that's not you know it's to be out there isolated so I went and I started talking with him and I took him along I drove him around we became friends it's been 20 Five, it's 1996, so it's 24 years. 24 years of friendship. That person changed our lives. He's still one of the most important financial helpers in the ministry. He, I remember that after they went back home, they were supposed to buy a car for their family, and they decided, him and his wife decided that they will instead send us. I was praying at that time. This is what I was praying. This is a man prayer, ladies. Lord, give me a land cruiser. Give me a land cruiser. Now, I'm living in a country that land cruisers are like you right now praying for like a spaceship, Lord. I want a spaceship. <laughs> spaceship that will take me to Mars and maybe on the moon sometimes. And, and, and while I'm being there, I'm going to take selfies with the earth behind me. Lord, give that to me. That's the kind of prayer I was making that time. Because, again, this was like a, a land cruiser would cost houses. 
But some, one of my mentors taught me, they said, do you ever pray specifically? I said, yes, I pray. I pray for, you know, health and health. And he said, no, no, specifically. Like for this amount of money and for this brand of car. I was like, I don't, I don't, no, I don't want to. I don't want to mess up with God like that. Oh, really? That's what you meant? So when you're asking your father, when you go to your earthly father, you say, Father, gifts in general would be good. Or you say, Father, I think it would be nice to have that hat and those Nikes and maybe that iPhone. You know, you, you're very specific. You don't say, you know, communication in general, any communication tool, Father. You know, you don't you talk very specific. You say, why are we not talking like that with our Heavenly Father? That really got my attention. So I'm going I'm to write the model, the color of the car, the model and everything. Six months later, I was driving a brand new Land Cruiser. You know who sent us Land Cruiser? That guy who was an introvert and for a period of time just poured out my life into him with no interest. No, it was just for his benefit. And it was like just, and it's, it was amazing. Amazing, just changed our life. We, I had with him the most incredible vacation. Later, I found out he lives on the water in Florida. He has a boat. <laughs> we spent the most amazing vacation with our kids in Sunnybell, Florida. Paid for them from, with their money for years. Took, it, took us to the most amazing. I mean, it's, did I, like, Lord, give me somebody that can pay for my vacations. What kind of prayer is that? It's just a childish, selfish prayer. Expect very nice vacations in Syria maybe. I don't know with that. Don't just, you know, it's all about making other people flourish. And God loves to bless us. He, the ones that throws his Bread on the water, I think it's Ecclesiastes 11, Ecclesiastes 11, 1. Throw your, and we'll come back. It's unbelievable what happened. Make, understand the purpose of blessing. One time I was in that Land Cruiser. Now I was happy to have Land Cruiser. I was driving in town. People are passing. They're looking at me, and I'm, so I received a telephone call. And he said, there is this lady. He, she's, a, she's a retired lady. She's a poor. She has $100. She came from the Netherlands to Romania because she saw a TV documentary. And she wants to help the street kids. She called a lot of ministries. Nobody would want to waste their time with her because just $100. And I said to myself, this is amazing. You know how the Holy Spirit, like, because you're thinking, uh, is it worth but then, then, then you think, this lady risks her life, spends her only money, that's everything, comes to Romania, not a friendly country in 1996. I said, this, she's my friend. She's my friend. She's my auntie. So I, where is she? I went and picked her up. We got in the car. I got her in the car. Uh, I said, what do you want to do? She said, I want to buy some sandwiches. We want to go in the sewages. We want to pass the sandwiches to the street kids. That's what we did. We went, I wanted her to flourish. I wanted her to see her money multiply. So I, you know, find solutions, cheaper sandwiches, better sandwiches, find places. After that day, she was in heaven. 
And we were exhausted, but she was in heaven. I was like, yes. And then she dropped the bomb. She said, do you know a cheap place where I can sleep? Maybe at your house? Now, by that time, I was looking at her shoes. So I'm driving. I look at her shoes. She has holes in her shoes. She's dressed very modest. Let's put it that way. So I knew she doesn't have a lot of money. But she, was, she had such a nice personality. Of course, I, I said, why do you do this? Do you love Jesus? He said, no, I don't believe in Jesus. He was a Dutch. I don't believe in Jesus. I said, oh, you don't believe in Jesus? You, do you love God? No, I don't believe in God. Is anything like, why are you doing this? He says, my heart is moved. There is people in need. I want to help. I said, wow, I wish more Christians would do that. I said it to myself, not to bad thought mouth the church because the church she didn't love anyway at that point so i didn't want to give her another reason so she i called my wife and i said honey this lady let's help this lady so we took her in our home she stayed for a few days we had the greatest time we had like just fun at our home home she she became like a she came the next year. She said, can I come next year? I said, of course. She came. She brought 200. Then she came another year. She brought 300. Every year she would bring more. And, and she became like an auntie to our kids. We would all sit in the, around the table. We would pray. She would be sitting like this. We would say, Lord, bless the food. Bless Muraika. You know, so nice to be here. Bless her. Protect her. So for years. And then after three years or four years, I don't remember exactly. My kids were even asking her, lady, what car do you drive? And she'd be like, oh, an old Volvo. Oh, nice. So four, three, four years passes, and she drops, she says to Oltitsa and I, she says, what do you do this summer? This is years we make her, we invest in her. We had no agenda. And again, it's not something that, with God, you cannot have an agenda. It will be, it will be a disaster. You know, take it that way. It's as simple as that. It's a disaster once you have an agenda because you cannot fool God. So she's like, what are you doing for vacation this summer? We are like, uh, I don't know. We don't have plans. We never had money for vacation. We're like, oh, I don't know. She said, I want you to come to my house in Ireland. So I look at the Tizza. We went like, uh, not, not I think we're very busy for the summer because I'm thinking, we're going to stay in a tent. The mosquitoes will, will kill us. We will live in this, like, rain will come upon us. We'll sh shiver by cold. And how, how much money? I mean, she needs our help. And she's like, no, I really want you to come to Ireland. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. We'll give you an answer later. A couple of months before August came, she calls and she said, I got you the tickets. I bought you the tickets. You have to come to Ireland. I'm like. So we called the, uh, and we found out we needed a visa to go to Ireland. So I was so excited. So I said, I'm so sorry. I, we need a visa. We cannot come. And, and the visa takes three months because they have to ship the passport. And then they, she said, but did you go to the, to the embassy? I said, yes, I did. So I just got, actually, I just got out of the embassy now. So we cannot come. I mean, uh, truly, I was excited. Because I didn't want to break her heart telling like, listen, honey. I don't want to go in a place worse than Romania. I had enough in my life. I wasn't going to tell her that. And she's like, go back to the embassy, would you? I said, 
I can't go back to the embassy. I just got out of there. They told us they need to ship our passports. And it takes three months. And it's not possible. Would you go back, please? Okay. I said, I'm not going to, you know, argue with, with the Dutch. So I went and we went back to the embassy. Knock on the door. They opened the door. Mrs. and Mrs. Bachu, come on over here. Would you like a coffee? We're like, yeah. Like, okay. Can I have your passport? Here's about, do you mind if we process your visa in half an hour? Oh, it's okay. You know, it's, we're sitting down. We're looking at one another. It's like, what happened? A few weeks later, we were on the way to Ireland. We land in Ireland. It was this brand new BMW there waiting for us. She rented a brand new BMW. She gave us the most, like a nice, she said, I want you to have the most incredible vacation. So we're like, is she a drug dealer? <laughs> like, are we in trouble? Are we going to have like police? Why are you with her? Are you with her? You're arrested for life, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know her. You know, like we, I had these scenarios in my mind. Like, who is this lady after all these years? We help her. We help her. We had no nothing. And now she's just opening the world for us. And we went into this. We took the car and it was like through a forest on her property. And it was this beautiful house, stone house on the water. Swamps were coming there. The ocean, the mountains, island by Cork, Ring of Kerry. Unbelievable. And she said, ah, this is, you're going to be here for one week. Like, this is yours. Yes, okay. We, we, we had sheets with us. We had towels with us. We had toilet paper with us. We had everything. And there was like a seven-star hotel. Unbelievable, her house. She cooked for us. We had an incredible time. And um, then the next year, she said, what do you do for summer? I said, whatever you tell us to do this summer, <laughs> we will do it. <laughs> and she called us to her amazing house in Swiss Alps, 8,000 feet behind the, her house. was it's the second largest glacier in the world. Exclusive little village, golf courses, incredible we had an amazing vacation, all paid. Then she asked, what do you do the next summer? We say, yes, lady, whatever you say. We went to south of France, to her house in south of France. That was unbelievable. Got our kids, paid for everything. Just millions of dollars home in south of France in a small village. I mean, we were like, is, is it something that we, we're pinching? Where did it start? didn't even start in a prayer request. We didn't even start. It starts when you make your life. You understand the purpose for a land cruiser. The purpose for it is to make other people thrive. To help left and right. And to, to really help the helpless. And to really empower people that have no power. And to really give resources to people that they will never be able to have those resources. To be like the... You know, the, you know how the, the Dead Sea, have you ever been at the Dead Sea? We were there recently. That's another miracle, by the way. We're in Israel. So it's, it's, the, it's the, the Galilean Sea, which is small. So the Jordan River comes and it, it forms the Galilean Sea. And then it's a small little sea filled with 
with life as species, as many fish, species and a lot of life in there. And then the river Jordan continues and forms a big sea. It's called the Dead Sea. You know why it's dead? There's no outlet. There is no outlet. Leadership is the Galilean Sea. We don't have to be big. We don't have to have everything. All we have to do is know how to pass it. Keep passing. Keep passing. Keep passing. Keep passing. Keep passing. And we will become so much richer. And it's never about money. It's never about things. It's about making us being rich towards God and, and walk in a manner worthy of Him. And as a result, it would be, it's, it's amazing what happens. Because that's the purpose of leadership. I'll go to the, to, the, to the third one. I don't know how many because I have many. I like We can stay until tomorrow night, but I'll have 15 more minutes or so. I'll finish at 7.30 because I know in this evening we don't want to. I want to make you thrive, not, not sleep. <laughs> Flourish, not <clears throat> moorish. So the third thing David knew, David knew that unity is more important than short-term gain. See, David understood the principle that very few leaders today know it. Unity is the only thing that attracts the presence of God. We think it's some, something else. We think it's special. No, unity attracts the presence of God. You know what amazed me? That's one of the most famous Bible verses or, or passages in the Bible about unity. It's Psalms 133, and you have it there at the entrance. I was like, today I was like, have it here and I'm not surprised because even today as I was watching this team here and and everything the chemistry in the spirit is that this is a, one of the most united teams I've ever seen in the world you have a world-class ministry team yes I know there are frictions I know that it's normal this is like normal there is different you know different things but there was a spirit here that was unbelievable. And I said, Lord, just keep them, keep, keep clean the house. It's very important. And the leader is the one that kind of has to protect the unity. You have to protect the unity at all costs. You have to protect the unity because once you protect the unity, you protect what? The presence of the Holy Spirit. It's never the songs that change us. It's never the knowledge from the Bible that changes us. It's the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings revelation to us. It's the Holy Spirit that comes through the worship, that changes our hearts, that lifts our burden. It's His presence that makes the all difference. People are asking us, even at Teen Channel in the church, how do people change? They change because of the presence. So our job is not to really improve, although... This is the next thing. David knew excellence is worth sacrifice. Excellence is a very important thing because excellence attracts resources. But unity attracts the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is the most important. Once you treasure the presence of the Holy Spirit more than anything as a leader in your family, in your business, in the church, a lot of things will work. It's, it's unbelievable what happens. It's unbelievable what happens. I remember 
and, and when I was telling you that uh, the leaders, it's the leader's job to protect, to, to make sure the unity is there at any cost so it doesn't affect the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because the, the word in the, let me see if I have it here, the word in Psalms 133, the, the how good and how pleasant is for brothers to dwell together. In Hebrew, that word is yachad. And yachad in Hebrew, the, the, the dwell together is be, when they become one. When they all do things with one heart. Because if there is, and when they all have, and they submit to the, to the head of the house. Because the Lord always uses a person to give him the vision. I mean, it doesn't use, the Lord doesn't use a church to give a vision. He uses one leader, he gives the vision, and he shares it and makes it, make sure that the body implements that. So he protects the Holy Spirit that enables us to what? To do his will and his purposes. So when you know this, you always like, you want, to, you want the people all together. You want them to have the same heart. David knew that was for him was a priority. David knew. So when you look at him, he was in trouble. You know, he was at one point, he was in trouble. He needed so much help. He needed staff. He needed officers. He needed like worship leaders. He needed uh, children ministry. He needed so much. In, so the Benjamin and Judah came to him. And they said, uh, we want to help. Whatever you know, we want to help. And David looked at them. And instead of saying, oh, I'm so excited you come to help. He keeps first things first when it comes to unity. What is, what is the most important thing? In, in, let's say, in, uh, in a person, in order to be part of a great team, it's the heart. They have to have the heart of a leader, that leader. If you don't have his heart, it's hard because, see, once there are two visions in the same team, two vision means division. Two vision, dual vision and a house divided cannot last in it's impossible it's as simple as that so the the whatever is unity the present is there he's and he's going to enable us to do so david knows that no wonder what the lord is calling him he's a man after my own heart and and when those guys offer his help he goes to them in first chronicles 12 17 david went out to meet them he went to them for an interview. They were supposed to come, and David said, no, 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 wait there. I want to come with you over at Starbucks. At that time, Starbucks had clay cups and a lot of other things. So, you kids, it was a different Starbucks. Wi-Fi was different. There was, like, wires all over. So, David went out to them and said to them, if you have come peacefully to me to help me, he said, are you coming here to help me or are you coming here to help yourself? Are you coming here to help the vision of this church or this ministry? Or are you coming here to say, I'm going to show you there is a better way of doing it. Because if there is a better way of doing it, then do it yourself. There is a reason you see stuff. So if you see stuff different than here, start a church. And do it your way. 
Do it your way, and you will be like, oh, it's a lot harder than I thought. Lord, forgive me. Pastor, what do you want me to do here? Brokenness humble our heart more than like nothing else. So unity is so important. David knows. He goes to them. Are you coming here to help me? And then he says, my heart shall be united with you if you come here to help me. But if you come here to betray me to my adversaries, since there is no violence and wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look at what you're doing and punish you. That's kind of a straight talk. You know, not anymore because people, people sue us that if we tell them after the interview. But the, the bottom line is, I, do you have the heart for this? Are you want to sub- submitting to the vision of the house? Because if you do, it's unbelie- unbelievable what happens. Yes, of course we have our own voice. Of course we have, when you're part of a team, you say, Pastor, I have an idea. What do you think about this? And pastor say, hey, it's a great idea. The time for it has not come. But it's a great idea. Sometimes it's a, it says, yes, we'll do it. But most of the time, don't expect they will do it because there is, God is a God of order. He works when there is unity. One time I had a division at, one, on a, at our center. We had like a, it was a crazy situation. And the center was full. And I realized there was division among staff. And uh, it was kind of a broken airplane, and it was pretty bad. I mean, out of four engines, three and a half was not working. Although in the air, everything was, you know, everything was good. They were still serving, uh, would you like some water? You know, and the airplane was good. But you look at the window outside, smoke out of four engines, fire out of three. So you're thinking, it will take a... Not a long time until we're going to have a bad landing. So I was like, we, we, I cannot allow that. So what I did is I shut down the center. As I was praying to the Lord, I said, Lord, what should we do? And it was something drastic. It was more like uh, I didn't expect it, but it was like there was nothing we could do. The Lord said, shut down the center. So I sent everybody home. And then the next day, I started meeting with the people that the Lord showed me they have the heart. This happened a long time ago. We have 93% rate of success in Romania. Out of 100 addicts that graduate in Challenge Romania, 93, they live thriving, flourishing lives. Not, not 6%, not 12%, not 50 Do you think it's because of the people? No. Do you think it's because of the like we are so, no, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that is, dwells when the brothers are one. They have the same heart. They have the same agenda. They have the same vision. They have the same plans for those people. That's when it happens. That's when miracles happen and, and we get to watch it. We get to watch it. I, we had our worship leader one and he became you know, it's, I think one of the most difficult people to work with are the worship people. I say that because I have my own family. My son is a drum player. Or my, they did music school. Or my, one of my best friends are worship leaders. So I can, I can joke like that. But they are, they are pretty sensitive. They're like, you know. So if you tell them, can you change the song? No. 
the Lord's like, let's, let's keep this rhythm. And you go, no, just switch like that. And they're like, oh. So my leader became so important, my worship leader, and became so, such a star. And, and God, God was so lucky to have him singing for him. At one point, I was like, oh. I said, buddy, stop, you know, let's do this. And he would say to me, yes, let's do that. And you will do it his way. So I could, it was, it was almost like a cloud that was coming out. People don't see the cloud. But let me tell you, they feel it. It affects them more than we think. Because where there's no unity here, there's not going to be presence of the Lord there. And we want that more than anything. It's his presence. All over. Dwell. So people when they step in the church. They, somehow they don't understand why they like it. And, and not even mentally they like it. But inside of them something is going on. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. You cannot explain it. You don't have the words for it. But it transforms our life. Only happens when there is unity. Among the people who minister, among the people who serve. So when I realized we don't have unity with our worship leader, I said, you're fired. It was Friday night. I fired him on Friday night. Sunday we had the church service. The church was growing. But when, because David is my mentor and I've been learning from him, I've been calling David many times. I said, Dave, what would you do? They say, fire him. Are you kidding? I said, thank you, David. And I was like, I fired the guy. Truly honest. I said, go. And he's, you know what he said? He looked at me. And he said, uh, and what are you going to do this Sunday? I looked at him and I said, have you heard of a cassettophone? The cassettes with tapes. You don't know. Kids, you don't know. It's an instrument that... They have buttons and they have this little. I said, I'm going to use one of those. I'm going to show up here at the church and say, today, this morning, and I will turn that on and say, let's worship together. And I will mim. I cannot sing because if I sing, people will leave. So I'll just turn the music loud and I'll, I'll be walking like this. I said, that's what I'm going to do on Sunday. Because I don't care about how, I love quality music. I love quality music. But I will not compromise the Holy Spirit for the quality music. So I said, this is going to be a tape here. I'm going to, and then we'll all go there. And when that is done, we'll stop and we'll have the word. He smiled. Hmm. So I went to my worship team and I said, uh, guys, I have a bad news and a good news. Which one do you want to receive first? Uh, tell us the bad news. I said, we don't have a worship leader anymore. We don't have the voice. Uh, what's, what's, what is the good news? One of you will sing this Sunday. And they looked at me. And they were like 16, 17 years old. My, they were kids. We were starting the church with no people. We had no idea what we were doing. Not that we know today. But today we look like we know what we're doing. So it's a little better. So I said, any of you have ever sang before? So this guy, I remember, you know, him, he looked at me and said, I sing, but I sing in the bathroom by myself. And I said, good. Bathroom is good. Shower is good. Just sing for sun. So he sang, I tell you, it was one of those, like, worship songs that go, ah, 
thank you, hallelujah. So, but it was a thick presence of the Lord. We would not hear the mistakes. We would not, and it was one of the best. I, I remember this to the day. It was a powerful fall of the Holy Spirit because the, the, the stage was clear for his doing. And the guy was singing. They were like, I hope we will finish this song. You know, they looked at me and I would be like, just finish it. It's good. And now we have powerful worship team. Powerful worship team. How many people we have? 20 something people in the worship team. We have different voices. And we still to today, we just had an amazing voice at our church. But for whatever reason, we thought, okay, we'll give you a little vacation, although it's the most amazing voice. But when the attitude is not there, when the attitude is not there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, you know, see, we. We, 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 don't, we, cannot look at, we cannot look at somebody who say, you have big faith or you have small faith and be, be right or be correct. No. But we can look at somebody who say, you have a stinking attitude. Can we see a stinking attitude? Stinking attitude is worse than, it's really bad. Stinking attitude, like, I'd rather sit next to a worker that worked in the trenches for three days, didn't change his clothes, than sitting to somebody who wears a nice perfume but have a stinking attitude. But what's the problem is with, the, with the attitude is this. Attitude is connected to faith. Did you know that? You cannot see faith, but you see attitude. So you'll know them by their fruits. Why would somebody have a bad attitude about you as a leader? Why? Because they know better. So here they are, stepping outside the will of God. How do they know better? If they know better, God would have called him to do this. If they knew better, if they had a better, God would, because few are the laborers. God would make a way. But once our an attitude is stinky attitude, it's because faith is little. God is not in control. I have to take control. You know, I'm going to help God do this. God has these bad people there. This is, he's a bad leader. I'm going to help God straighten that leader. Really, good luck with that. Good luck. Let God be God. You better pray fast, support, because God will deal with it. But the line in his will, unity impacts purpose, impacts people, impacts provision, impacts everything, everything. It, it, it leads to wind of spirit, the tongues of fire, the feeling of fullness, the speaking in power, the spirit enablement. That's what it does. And you, in unity, there is creativity. In unity, there is abundance. That's why a leader should protect unity more than anything. That's why you should never compromise people. You know, people will never change Sometimes they change after the brokenness, but you cannot allow them, especially in the ministry team. The ministry team should always be in the unity because where the unity is, is the Spirit of God is. I will, uh, I will stop here. I will say the last thing that uh, I have more things, but David knew excellent is worth sacrifice. Uh, and it's... Uh, 
you, you have to understand that when you look at David's mentality, he, he never he said, I'll never accept anything that won't cost me. Remember when they want to give him the land? And remember when he, they, they said, no, I want to cost me. And excellence is not doing what you're supposed to do. Excellence is what you're doing beyond what you're supposed to do. Excellent is not just practicing 10 times. It's practicing 10 times, and when people go home, you practice another 50 times. That's excellence. And, and you would do it like, I like my, my Bible verse. It's C323. It's like C from, from uh, in Romania, it's, it's quality. It's qualitate. So it's the Latin qualidad. So here it's, it's, it's quality. But see from Colossians 3.23, everything you do, do it as and to the Lord. Not for the people, not for the benefits. Not, just do it with excellence. No wonder. I mean, remember when he wanted to build a temple for, for, for God, David? And God said, no, you'll not build a temple. What did David do? He's like, oh, you know what? God doesn't want me to do this. It's fine. Give it to Solomon. No. He's like, I'm going to gather all the materials for my son. You know, they did, they did a study. A Chicago architect firm did a study on how much the temple would cost today. Based on the list of materials that David left behind. as a legacy to Solomon to build the temple. You know how much money is that? $87 billion in today's money. It cost him. It cost him. It was, it's not, it doesn't matter. We think it's easy. People, people who do business, we look at them, we say, it's easy. Yeah, he makes millions, uh, you know, here, just a few call, phone calls. You don't want to know how difficult that is. You don't want to know how difficult it is to have responsibility and pressures. And the margin of, of mistakes is so little. You don't want to know the nights that they spend and trying to get, you know, stock market in here and there. And when, when they come and they bless you with, with something, with a house, you go, of course, he has a lot of money. Of course, he buys me a house. No. You don't want to pay that price. You don't want to pay that price. But they do it because they do it with a spirit of excellence. They do it as unto the Lord. They want to get riches so they can be a blessing to so many. And that should be us. We should know the source of our success. The source of who, if we stand today, if we do something today, it's because the source is Jesus Christ in our lives. And the purpose is to make everybody else flourish. And then we have to treasure unity more than anything, short-term gain. And then we have to have, do everything with excellence. And it will cost us, and we should pay that price with great joy. Because great is our reward. God bless you guys. Thank you. And Pastor, Patty, Dean, thank you so much for having us. This, today here, Oltitsa and I, I tell you, she can speak. I'm a talker. I didn't allow us. To, uh, I didn't allow her to speak today, but uh, I would. I would uh, one day. Actually, I tell you when when it will happen. When you come to Romania, when you come to Romania, Oltitsa will do. will have a session with you, 
and then we'll eat some Romanian incredible food and get ready for a spectacle in your mouth because it's going to be, your mouth will be like, thank you. Thank you for bringing me here. Looking forward to that. May the Lord bless this church and thank you, Lord, that you have started this ministry, that you have orchestrated for Pastor Dean and Patty and his family to come over here and you have given them grace and people and money and strategy and you have given them more than anything you have given them your heart to do your ministry for this area and thank you for making this ministry a beacon of the presence of the Holy Spirit a beacon of hope and thank you that you will bring to you all the lost sons of the, you know, people that pray. They lost their sons and daughters and they pray for them. They will bring them here and they will get to know you and serve you. And thank you for using this church and the people in this church in a mighty way. Thank you for making this church a church of generals. A church of great officers in the kingdom. Thank you for making it, advancing your kingdom using this church, Father. And I want to thank you for Pastor Dean and for Patty and for their family. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.